Thank you, Anita and Ruthann. In light of the message of the song, let's pray together. Father, we thank you for revealing yourself in Christ. We thank you for the reconciliation, the redemption that we have in Christ. As we consider the Gospel of John in some specific passages, we want to be open to Christ and who he is. In Christ's name, amen. A little over 42 years ago, November 11th, 1973, Ruthann got awake and I was getting ready to go to Sunday school and church and Ruthann said, I don't think I will go this morning because I feel something happening in my midsection. I said, okay, I will come back and check on you between Sunday school and see if we need to go to the hospital. So Dick and Martha and myself, we went to Sunday school and I came back between Sunday school and church and she said, I think I need to go to the hospital. So we went to Erlanger Hospital and I dropped her off and I went and parked and She was taken to where she was supposed to go to give birth to Danny. I did what I had to, and I came up to a certain department, and I said, you know, where do I sit and wait for my wife while she gives birth to our son? And they directed me to a certain spot. And after a couple hours, I thought I should have heard something by now. So I went up to the window and I said, could you tell me where my wife is? Well, he said, oh, you're in the wrong department. (laughs) And they made a call or two and they said, yeah, you may go see your wife. She's already had a baby boy. And Danny was born at six pounds, 11 ounces, 19 and a half inches long at 3.04 p.m., It was on a Sunday. It was a short labor, and in my ignorance, I walked into Ruthann and said, Did you have a baby? (laughs) I don't know if she ever forgave me for that one. (laughs) And that was in the day, you know, where husbands or fathers, you know, were not in the delivery room. That changed when Beth Ann came along. But in sharing about Danny's birth, I have a question. What did I fail to mention? Pardon? She was expecting a baby. Pardon? I gave the date at the beginning, I think. I gave you all the facts, but I didn't say anything about Danny. As we think about Christmas, don't think about merely the facts of Christ's birth. Think about Christ. 
I could give you facts about each of our children when they were born, things that happened. I can give you the weight without asking or length. You know, I'd have to ask Ruth Ann and all of that. And facts are fine. But as we think about Christ, let's think about who he is. The Gospels reveal Christ and his character, his identity, his being, his work, his death, his resurrection. Only two of the Gospels speak of his birth. If you want to check my math out on this, you can. And if I'm wrong by a couple of verses, fine. And I realize the Bible was not originally written in with verses, but there are 3,743 verses in the four Gospels. 51 verses speak of his birth. Christ's birth is the means for God coming among us to reveal himself. And we see the character, identity, and being of God as Christ lived. And we want to look at the Gospel of John this morning to think about Christ. Whose birth do we celebrate? When we say he's a little baby in a manger, yes. We say he was born in Bethlehem, yes. And all that is good. That is recorded in Scripture for us. But who was the person? The person of the one whose birth we celebrate. In John chapter 20, you don't need to turn here, but the purpose of John is given in John 20 and verse 31. But these things are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. John is writing so that people may believe that Jesus is the Christ. He's the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing in him there may be life. John begins his gospel by clearly stating who Jesus was. He ends his gospel with evidence that Jesus was the Son of God. He was life, light, and so on. And that was evident by the resurrection of Christ. So beginning with a statement of who Jesus was, ending with evidence of who Jesus was, and between John 1 and the last chapter in John, we find all kinds of accounts of Jesus' life to demonstrate he was who he claimed to be. So as we look at some descriptions of John's gospel this morning, see it as a many-faceted description so that when you understand or begin to understand what John is describing, we've begun to scratch the surface of whose birth we celebrate. I'll say we have begun to scratch the surface. I don't think we have done it all. So whose birth do we celebrate? Let's go to John 1 and verse 1. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God and the Word was God. In the beginning was the Word. Now who was the Word? Look at verse 14 of John 1. The Word became flesh and is made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. So we know the word became flesh. And in verse 18, no one has ever seen God, but God, the one and only, who is at the Father's side, has made him known. 
The one whose birth we celebrate is the word. The Greek word for that is logos. And a parallel reference to try to understand what is taking place is in Hebrews chapter 1. Hebrews chapter 1. Now begin reading with verse 1. Hebrews 1 and verse 1. In the past, God spoke to our forefathers through the prophets. Many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. Whom he appointed heir of all things. Through whom he made the universe. God spoke to the forefathers with the prophets. But in the least day, these last days, he has spoken through Christ. Back to John chapter 1 in verse 18. No one has ever seen God, but God, the one and only who is at the Father's side, made him known. When you think of the word, Jesus being the word, think of the idea of manifestation, communication, revelation. Something is being unveiled. Something is being uncovered. Who is being uncovered? God. You want to know what God is like? Read the Gospels. Because they show Christ. And what did Christ do? Christ came as the Word to uncover, to manifest, to reveal God. It's the person of God among humans. The Word made the incomprehensible God intelligible. Christ made the incomprehensible God intelligible. God can be known. That is, there can be a relationship with him. Why? Because of Christ. Christ unveiled. He's the word. He made manifest. The one whose birth we celebrate is the word. John chapter 1. Look at verse 3. Through him, through the word, who was God and was with God, through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. Through him, the word, through Christ, through Jesus, things were made. Creator means God, Christ, spoke. And things came into being. Let there be light. There was light. Let the water be separated and the water separated. He made animals. The creator spoke into being. He created from nothing. That reminds us that we are creatures. It reminds us that everything is created. There's a creator-creature distinction. Creatures cannot fully understand the creator. We can't fully understand Christ as creator. But yet we know he was creator. The one who laid in the manger was creator. A creator could be born because he humbled himself. Philippians 2 talks about the fact that 
God, or rather Christ was willing to humble himself, take upon himself the form of his servant and experience death. You ever stop and ponder the creator of the universe being in a womb for nine months, being confined, find the one who is everywhere present confined to a womb for nine months? His creator. The one who created Mary was in his womb. Or in her womb, not his. When we think of baby Jesus, we're talking about creator. Who could come in human form because he was willing to be humble. Stop and ponder Christ. He's creator. As we reflect in Christ, he's the word, but he's also creator. Don't worry, we're not going to cover all of those items this morning. He's the word. He revealed, he manifested But he's also creator. Look at verse 4 of John 1. In him, in the word, in him who created was life. And that life was the light of men. The word life is used by 36 times by John in his gospel. It's a term that is very broad in scope. And the idea of life is to be Delivered from death. Jesus is the emancipator from death. The emancipator from separation. When you think about life, you think about death. What is death? When someone dies physically, they're separated from us. When someone dies eternally, they're separated from God for an eternity. What is Christ? He's life. He delivers from death. He delivers from being separated from God. He gives life. He gives a relationship with God. He gives a relationship with himself. He gives a relationship with the Holy Spirit. The idea of life is relationship. The one whose birth we celebrate is the one who gives life. Relationship with God. Relationship with himself. A relationship with the Holy Spirit. And then a relationship with other believers. The one whose birth we celebrate is life. He's creator. He's the word. Look at John chapter 1. And again, verse 4. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. Christ was light. Look at verse 7 of John 1. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light. That is, John the Baptist came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all men might believe. Go over to chapter 3 and verse 19. We know chapter 3 generally as a place where Jesus spoke to Nicodemus. In verse 19, 
John says, this is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but men love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Now, anytime you read scripture, context is important. Look at verse 18 of John 3. Whoever believes in him, that is Christ, the Son of God, is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. Clearly stated, God's one and only Son, this is the verdict. Light has come into the world. Who's the light referring to? Christ. Look at John chapter 8 and verse 12. And again, we're leaping into the context John 8 and verse 12, when Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Look at John chapter 9, verses 4 and 5, in the context of Jesus healing a man born blind. We begin with verse 3. Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus. Someone or some people thought that there was sin and that's why the man was blind. Jesus says, but this happened so that the work of God may be displayed in his life. As long as it is day, we must do the work of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. In John chapter 12, verses 35 and 36 Jesus predicts his death. And he said, then Jesus said, or told them rather, you're going to have light just a little while longer. Walk while you have the light before darkness overtakes light, before darkness overtakes you. The man who walks in the dark does not know where he is going. Put your trust in the light while you have it so that you may become sons of light. When he had finished speaking, Jesus left and hid himself from them. In each of the passages, Jesus, or John, depends who was speaking, talking about Christ being light. What does light do? It enables us to see. It is a guide for life. In the context of the passages, it provides direction. Try to walk in a pitch black area. You can't see a thing. Trust me. Went caving. I mentioned that a few weeks back. Pitch black. But Christ comes into a pitch black world where people are dead in transgressions and sins. He comes as the light. In the light, there's a contrast between right and evil. There's a contrast between darkness and light. Darkness can't grasp something, can't understand something. There is no relationship with God. Darkness is missing the very point of life. And the point of life and light of Scripture is a relationship with God. To know God, to walk with God, to know Christ, to walk with Christ, to have the Spirit of God. The one whose birth we celebrate. 
is light. John chapter 1. We'll find that the one whose birth we celebrate is not only the word, the creator, life and light. He's also the Lamb of God. John 1 and verse 29. The next day John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is the one I met when I said, A man who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. Did you catch that? John is speaking. A man who comes after me. Christ was born after John the Baptist. John the Baptist was older than Jesus. Has surpassed me because he was before me. When did Jesus begin? He didn't. Coming in human form, he had a beginning. But he always was. John says, because he was before me. In verse 31, I myself did not know him, but the reason I came baptizing with water was that he might be revealed to Israel. Then John gave this testimony. I saw the spirit come down from heaven as a dove and remain in him. I would not have known him except that the one who sent me to baptize with water told me, the man on whom you see the Spirit come down and remain is he who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. I have seen and I have testified to this, that this is the Son of God. The next day, John was there again with two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, Look, the Lamb of God. Sin has consequences. We know that when we go back to Genesis chapter 3, Adam and Eve were told not to eat the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And God said, if you eat of it, you're going to die. We know that they chose to eat. What happened? Sin came into the world. Death came into the world. And later on, as you read through Leviticus, we find that the penalty for sin is death. So the one who sins is to die. Their blood is to be shed because the life of the flesh is in the blood, according to Leviticus. And we know that God brought into the world sacrifices where animals were sacrificed for human sin. But we know that that did not take away sin. So when John says, behold, the Lamb of God, he is thinking back to sacrifices in the Old Testament that were offered repeatedly. But now he says, Jesus is the Lamb of God. What is the idea of Lamb of God? Satisfaction of payment for sin. The one whose birth we celebrate was the Lamb of God. He came as a sacrifice. The Lamb of God. In First John chapter 2. John says, First John chapter 2 and verse 2. He, 
Jesus Christ, the righteous one, is the atoning sacrifice for our sins. And not for our sins only, but also for the sins of the whole world. In 1 John chapter 3 and verse 16, this is how we know that, or what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. 1 John chapter 4, verses 9 and 10. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. The one whose birth we celebrate was a lamb. No, was not a lamb, was the lamb. the Lamb of God. And it's through the Lamb of God that those who are in darkness, separated from a relationship with God, can be reconciled to God and restored to a relationship with God and have redemption, forgiveness, and so on. Also tied in with the idea of Lamb of God is perfection. In the Old Testament, when a lamb was taken, they were to be perfect. They were to be the best. Jesus was the perfect Lamb of God in whom there was no sin. The one whose birth we celebrate was the Lamb of God. In John chapter 3 and verse 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. He gave his one and only Son. In verse 18, Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. In John chapter 5, verses 17 and 18, when Jesus is talking about life, through the Son. Jesus said to them in John five seventeen, My Father is always at his work to this very day, and I too am working. For this reason the Jews tried all the harder to kill him. Not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own Father, making himself equal with God. Jesus, coming as a baby, living, had God as his father. Didn't have a human father. He had no sin nature, but yet he was fully human. God was his father. Stands in distinction to all of us in this room, in this sanctuary. We're all the son or daughter of some man. We inherit the sin nature. But Jesus was the son of God. The one whose birth we celebrate was the word creator, life, light, the Lamb of God.
the Son of God. Why must Jesus be the Word, Creator, Life, Light, Lamb of God, and the Son of God? Because Adam's race is dead. Separated from a relationship with God. And it's only through a perfect sacrifice that one can experience repentance of sin and faith in Christ. Think about the fact that we, through Christ, are related to God. But Christ is the Word, Creator, Life, Light, the Lamb of God, the Son of God. He makes a difference in life. About 43 years ago, give or take a little, I can't remember the exact time, I started to have some pain in my mouth. I went to the dentist and the dentist said, I think you need to go to a surgeon. There's some issues with your wisdom teeth. So I went to the surgeon and he said, your wisdom teeth are not coming through correctly. You will have to have all four of them surgically removed. He set up a time to have them where he would surgically remove them. So one morning, Ruth Ann and I get up. I get dressed. She get dressed. We went down to our, the appointment where I was to have my wisdom teeth surgically removed. I was the first patient. The surgeon or well, the anesthesiologist would have put me under for the surgery. Put me under, assuming that I was a normal human. Assuming that given a half hour, an hour, I would wake up, I would have some pain, and I would get sent home. Noon rolled around, and I still was not with it. Two o'clock rolled around, and I still was not with it. And Ruth Ann said I was just totally out of my mind. I said, oh, I can breathe, I said, you know, and I just was not really with it. She said I did not really treat her very nicely, you know. Wanted to do some things that should not be done in public. Three o'clock rolled around and I still was not with it. Five o'clock rolled around. They're closing the place. Others had come and gone. What are we going to do with this guy? They helped Ruth Ann get me to the car. Ruth Ann drove home. She went and got the neighbor and had the neighbor come out and got me up the steps into bed. It took me about three days to come back to some semblance of normality. Why? I was under the influence of whatever. Now think about that in contrast to Christ. He's creator. He's the word. He's life. He's light. He's the Lamb of God. He's the Son of God. This Christ is our life. Far beyond Anything anyone can use to put Dan Brubaker under to have his wisdom teeth extracted. That makes a difference in life. So you get together Sunday and you think about we're celebrating the birth of Christ. We're celebrating the one who is 
the Word. He's Creator. He's life. He's light. He's the Lamb of God. He's the Son of God. And through Him, we have life. And He's going to do far beyond what a little whatever can do to Dan Brubaker when he's put under. Ponder that. That we're celebrating the birth of someone far beyond what we can begin to comprehend. I would have two questions as we close. Are you in Christ? Is the one whose birth we celebrate your Savior, your Lord? If not, why don't you come to faith in him today? Confess your sin and trust in him. My second question is, have you ever gotten over Jesus and who he is? If you claim to be a believer, have you ever gotten over who he is? He's the word. He's the creator, life, light, the Lamb of God, the Son of God. He's the living water. He's the bread of life. He's the gate. He's the good shepherd. Have you ever gotten over that? I hope not. If you have, then you better do a little business with God and say, God, I don't want to get over Jesus, the one whose birth we celebrate. We're going to pray together, and then we'll close our service with a song. concerning Christ. And the prayer that I'm going to pray is not written by myself. It's a prayer that comes from the time of the Puritans. But it reflects on Christ and who he is. Let's pray. O Lord of grace, the world is before me this day, and I am weak and fearful, but I look to thee for strength. If I venture forth alone, I stumble and fall. But on the beloved arms I am firm as the eternal hills. If left to the treachery of my heart, I shall shall shame thy name. But if enlightened, guided, upheld by thy spirit, I shall bring thee glory. Be thou my arm to support, my strength to stand, my light to see, my feet to run, my shield to protect, my sword to repel, my sun to warm. To enrich me will not diminish thy fullness. All thy loving kindness is in thy son. I bring, to, bring him to thee in arms of faith. I urge his saving name as one who died for me. I plead his blood to pay my debts of wrong. Accept his worthiness for my unworthiness. His sinlessness for my transgressions. His purity for my uncleanness his sincerity from my guile, his truth from my deceit, his meekness for my pride, his love for my enmity, his fullness for my emptiness, his faithfulness for my treachery, his obedience for my lawlessness, his glory for my shame, his devotedness for my waywardness, his holy life for my unchaste ways, his death, For my life. In Christ's name. Amen. We come to faith in Christ. God answers that prayer.
Let's sing about Christ. Mm.